Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome to today's show, everyone. I'm excited to have Mark Holly from Second Generation Landscapes on the show to talk about none other landscaping. Mark um, founded Second Generation Landscapes um, and he grew up in the landscape industry working for his father's company. Um, and with over 20 years experience, he works on all kinds of jobs from smaller backyard renovations to larger multi-unit high-rise uh, installations. Uh, the Second Generation Landscapes provides high quality workmanship from certified installers with friendly customer care. So, Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show. I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to have you on the show because when most of us think about renovations, we think about the interiors of our homes. Maybe we'll do a bit of a, a bump out or a little bit getting more space. And then maybe a lot, sometimes people go, oh, I want to change the siding or my windows or whatever um, and deal with the envelope of their house. But almost as an afterthought, people start thinking about their yards, don't they? So um, I thought, you know, at the, and, and at the very least, even if they don't do a huge renovation in their yard, they at least want to have like a, a, a lawn that neighbors will be green with envy around, right? Like we all want to have that perfectly manicured, beautiful lawn. So um, I thought maybe let's just start with, with the, that. I mean, just how, do we, how do we get a great lawn, in your opinion? Um, well, yeah, I mean, the important part of the lawn is obviously like drainage is a big, is a big key, especially where we live, like all the water that we see over the winter time. So, um, lawns hate sitting in, in water. So, I mean, uh, to start to get a good lawn, it's, it's, it's more so about what's under the lawn than, than actually the lawn itself. So by providing proper drainage and then making sure you've got like a good layer of, of turf soil. Um, under that lawn is going to help the roots grow and encourage like a strong lawn. Um, you see a lot of times people put a new lawn in, but they just put the lawn down on, you know, existing dirt without really doing any preparation. And uh, like short term, it looks good for a year or two. And then over time, it just starts rapidly decreasing. So, um, okay. So what, 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 what's the, the drainage component like what what is that is that like it's not like road base or is it you know like gravel or maybe explain that for us uh well it could be as simple as like if we're working in an area where there's a clay a clay base um if if we dig it out so it's a, a dish shaped i mean the water will just collect in the middle and just kind of flood the lawn so like grading it properly so like the whole yard is like great like going on a two percent slope away has somewhere to go so it's not just sitting in the lawn um it, it can be as simple as that i mean in other cases you may need to add like you know a french drain gravel and pipe to kind of move the water out of the area yeah. um but it, but in a lot of cases it's just as simple as making sure the subgrade is sloped correctly um so that the water is not just sitting in the middle of the yard uh and it's going off to one side and then what kind of um, dirt or medium are we looking for? There's a whole so, bunch of different varieties of it that you can go and- Yeah, and so like a, tur a turf soil, like you'll find it in most places. It's just like a pre-blended soil of like sand and organic matter. And uh, 
a turf soil is going to have a much higher content of sand than a, than a planting soil uh, and just allows the water to kind of run through it more freely. Um, mo like a lawn like, really doesn't like water sitting there. Like a lot of golf courses are built like all on sand. Like they're just entirely sand. Um, the problem with that is there's not a lot of nutrients. So it requires a ton of, a ton of maintenance to keep those lawns looking good. <laughs> So, so with the turf soil, you've got a balance of sand and nutrients to try and like sustain the lawn, but also give you as much drainage as possible. Right. So then say we're going to put a new, new lawn in altogether. Like I know, like in, in our neighborhood, we've been here since 19, like late forties and like the grass is shot and all the cheap mm -hmm. beetles and all that kind of stuff. And oftentimes people are like basically pulling up the existing and then relaying. Or, yeah. So like the, the, the options for actually getting new grass i mean obviously there's the turf and then there's like the, the seed which i don't know <laughs> and then uh, as far as i know there's also like the hydro spray stuff and then and then you can just put in like fake or rubber grass i guess but so for the for the real stuff i mean walk us through the advantages or disadvantages of i guess just turf the seed and then like a hydro type spray right so i mean uh I mean, the hydro seed is usually it's, it comes out of a machine. It's like a blended, uh, kind of mix of like, um, nutrient seed and like some, it's like a kind of a slurry. Uh, we don't, we don't really do a lot of that. So I don't know exactly what goes into that mix, but it's usually reserved for like larger areas where you're trying to seed a, a really big area, like, a, like on the, the median on a road or a sports field or, or something to that. Um, we, we do, um, more turf and, and just hand seeding. Um, I mean, the advantage of the turf is, is it's, you're going to get a lawn Instant right, lawn. Away, right away. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you can use it like, you know, not right away, but you know, three to four weeks, depending on when you put it down, you're, you're, you can be using that lawn quite heavily um, and enjoying it where the, the seed is a bit more of a process, you know, you got to let it germinate, fill in. Um, and it, uh, you, you know, you got to be careful. You can't have kids and dogs. Like if you have a, a children or dogs, I mean, the seed is like not a great option. I always yeah exactly and the seeds getting trampled um so so we we i would say we do like 90 percent of our projects we're, we're doing like rolled turf um i guess the big advantage with seed if you're doing a really large area is, is obviously the cost yes. so so seed is much cheaper. There's a lot less labor to install it. The, the seed itself is, is way cheaper than doing a, a, a pre-grown lawn. Um, so, so usually we only go that route if it's like a really massive area, like, you know, a quarter acre or more, uh, or, or the, the client's just looking to, to, you know, they just need to save some money and then they're, they're happy to do that little extra bit of maintenance and take the time uh, in order to save some costs. And with, with a turf, I mean, again, there, I think there's a range of, of varieties of turf. Is there some that are better than others, or is it just like one is a little bit different green color and someone prefers one over the other one's better growing or slower growing or like, I, because there. So it's funny. So we, there's a, there's a, there's a, a bunch of different suppliers around town that we, uh, we, uh, deal with. And, uh, the, um, they, they have different 
variety they'll have like a sports turf a shade turf um you know a premium turf a con and the, the one turf supplier we do deal with like only now uh they don't have one variety they deal with they they go this is the variety we like this is this is um you know this is what we use kind of take it or leave it and and we found that they're um it's a really high quality product. It's unnetted. So you don't get any netting in the, in the sod. So if you do end up with a chafer beetle, you're not ending up with this big mass net all over your, your grass. And, uh, and we just had really good success with, with this, this particular sod. So, so we've kind of just stuck with that. Uh, we don't, I used to get into some, some of the different, like they offer a shade variety, but I mean, ultimately like it's grass, it, it's, it, it wants some sun. Like there is no sh true shade grass. <laughs> if so, they're telling you that, it, it's it's not it's not true. I don't I don't see it. Yeah. Okay. So two two other things with just yeah. before we move on because there's a couple of other things I wanted to to dive into with you. Uh, one was the the care and maintenance. You know we we hear of all these water restrictions and everything like that, and that you know you only need to water your grass once a week or whatever in the summer and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. and of course it kind of dies back a little bit on the edges where it doesn't get quite as much water as that, like the central area where your, your um, sprinkler goes. Right. Uh, is it actually good for the grass to kind of almost be dormant for a little bit and then rejuvenate again when we have a more rain come? Yeah, it will. So it will, um, it will come back. Uh, I mean, most, a lot of people don't like looking at, uh, that, that, that grass. Right. I mean, I don't know if I, I'm not sure if it's beneficial for it to go totally dead and come back. Um, I know like last, last summer, obviously we had the, those really yeah. big heat waves and with like the allowable amount of water that we were like running with the irrigation system it was still dying back and going semi-dormant even with like the maximum watering days so i mean in, in those kind of heat waves it's kind of unavoidable your grass is going to brown yeah. off yeah uh, and then the second the second question that i just wanted to sort of finish off with was this this blasted chafer beetle like we've had them in our neighborhood and we see them all over the place and all of a sudden it's like everybody's lawn is just decimated and is there any way that we can mitigate that or is it just like the the lawn if it's not as healthy as it should be or is it more susceptible to chafer beetles or is there something that we can use to I know there was like some nematodes or something at some point but then maybe they were not available anymore or not good or environmentally safe or I, don't, I can't remember what it was but um is there any way that we can address the chafer beetle um so I mean I from my understanding the nematodes do work to some to some degree um, we don't personally take care of that end of it so so I haven't actually used them myself there is a new product called grub be gone which is like more of a pellet that you put down um, when you're installing the lawn or after that will they say will help uh, with the with the uh, beetle. Uh, a healthier lawn is going to be more, you know, it, it, it's going to be a little bit better. There's a, a, a fescue grass, which they don't like as much. Uh, so the beetle will not be as attracted to that. But but most lawns are usually like a mix of like three varieties of grass. So there's always going to be some sort of grass in there that they, they're going to enjoy. enjoy. Okay, so it's, just, it's one of those things where you just have to like, 
grin and bear it until I kind of move on and try and mitigate as you can and and uh, you know make make yeah. you as healthy as you can and maybe it won't be as devastating as if you had a crappy lung like I do. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah it's been a, I've, I've i mean i've talked to some people it's like they're pretty frustrating uh pretty frustrated with it you know it's like they're on this third brand new lawn and they yeah. just don't know what to do so <laughs> all right so moving on from lawns um hopefully everybody's sort of getting a little bit of tidbits of stuff there um and now i wanted to move on to hardscape as opposed to grass so when we're right. talking hardscape we're talking um like pathways and all that kind of thing um and you know I think back in the day it was just you just had your concrete sidewalk up to your house but now more and more people are looking to have like more natural stone and meandering pathway like um bluestone even or you know what have you so maybe run us through the the steps to actually how all of that part happens to change say a concrete sidewalk out and put in something that's a little bit more organic in nature right so just like the the work process you're looking yeah for. like and what, what what we need to consider like is there I mean, obviously right. some uh groundwork done and and is there a different like a a type of uh natural like whatever blue stone or what have you is there some that are better than others for sidewalk right okay travel? yeah so i mean there's i mean with hardscape like with a pathway um let's say there's there's like there's a few options so you can do like a concrete paving stone pathway um which you know uh again it's still concrete product uh but there's it's it's uh i guess similar to like stamped concrete but but uh i, I mean my opinion is so it's a little bit better looking just because it's you're trying to basically yeah. replicate replicate paving stones with it with a stamped um and then you've got, I mean, you've got a huge variety of natural stone options. I mean, there's like a more natural, like flagstone, um, like an irregular shape, which is like a blue stone or a basalt. Uh, and then you can do also do like, like get natural stone that's been cut to like square cut. So then you can use it as a paving stone to, uh, to give you like a more finished uh, kind of look there. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess benefit the, like kind of like the cobble, what I consider cobblestoney looking ones as well, where they're more. Yeah, you can do a little like more rustic cobblestone, like a four by four inch or something. Or I mean, if you want, if you're in a modern house, you can do like two foot by three foot, like big kind of bluestone tiles. Uh, there, there's there's just an incredible amount of like variety available. Yeah. You, you can dream it up. You can, you can get it <laughs> and it's, it, I mean, my feeling is that it's not that there's necessarily one thing that is like better than another. It really just comes down to personal taste. And then of course the installation of said product, you know, you need to have your um, proper foundational base layer and tamping and whatever. So maybe just run us through the like quick, uh, three five right. that you guys have to to do to yes so so with uh with with a, like if you're doing like a residential walkway um we would always have a minimum of four inches of compacted road base uh in some cases if the the ground is not very like it's like a wet clay or something that's more prone to settling we'll we'll build that base up a little bit more but mm -hmm. typically we're going to do four inches of uh road base and then one inch of bedding sand just to level 
and then do our paving stones or our natural stone on top of that. Um, it, it, depending on the, the natural stone, sometimes you'll do like a, a sub slab. So we'll pour a, a concrete slab and then actually mortar set the natural stone on top of that slab. Uh, and then the third case, if you're going to do a, a very natural, like a stepping stone pathway and you want to do some time or moss, then usually we'll just do like four inches of coarse sand and then excavate around that and fill in with soil and then add our, our time or moss and give you that kind of more natural, natural look. Um, and then as far as benefits versus like, I think like concrete is going to be usually going to be a little bit more cost effective because it's like a square product uh, that's easy to install. Um, but concrete tends to, it gets that wear, like when you're walking down a city sidewalk, you see all the, the exposed stones coming through the cream. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a natural process of concrete uh, with natural stone. It's doing the same thing, but, but because it's just all stone, yeah, you're you're just wear, yeah, you don't see the difference. It's just, the, it's the same look. So, so that's kind of one of the, the benefits of, of stone versus concrete. Um, and, and then in other cases, depending on your stone choice, you can have quite rough stone. Uh, so if you're doing a, if you choose a really rough stone, considering it for like the main entrance to your house might not be the best option. If you've got like, you know, grandparents coming over or something. Yeah, and you, and you got, yeah exactly. So the concrete is nice in that way that you're going to have a really nice smooth finish. You know, it's going to be, it's, it's easy to walk on. Uh, some of the stones can be a little bit, a uh, little bit rougher. Yeah. Also, I mean, we don't get a lot of snow in this neck of the woods, but I mean, we have, we do have listeners that are across the globe. So, if, you know, you have a, if you live in an area that's prone to um, lots of snow and you're doing lots of shoveling and all that kind of stuff, maybe that natural stone would be um, something that your shovel would maybe get caught up on if it's really oh, rough. Yeah. yeah. Like you try to shovel it off and you're, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of having a, exactly, a yeah. challenge with that. I mean, and, and typically we don't really have a lot here, but in the last number of years, we have had some months where we, you know, we have had ridiculous amounts of snow and I, we were shoveling and shoveling and shoveling, which was really unusual for us. But for the people that had that rougher stone, I think they were finding it was a bit challenging. It is. Yeah, it can be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So moving sort of from the, the hardscape to still a little bit more of like the hardscape kind of idea, retaining walls. There's all kinds of things that we can do with retaining walls to make our yards a little bit more interesting to look at or whatever. Some of them are really um, required because you've got a lot of different grade difference from your front or side to side of your property or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, I, we see all kinds of, of retaining walls around, whether they're natural stone or um, like the cinder block style where you kind of, they're Allen, Allen block, I guess they're called. Yeah. Allen block. Yeah. Um, and I guess when you're talking with somebody who is looking to put in a retaining wall, what are sort of the, the considerations or the questions that you ask them when you're kind of trying to get into the nitty gritty and what, what is it that they want to consider? Right. So, uh, yeah, the, I mean, there's like, you, you, you just, touched on it there's three three options are, are like a wood retaining wall a, a, a con some sort of concrete block retaining wall whether it's allen block or a valley stone or one of the many brands available uh or, or a natural stone wall um so with i mean the wood wall again it's going to be the most cost effective option um although the gaps closed with covid and wood prices yeah. uh, <laughs> 
But also but, you're but, probably gonna have to replace it sooner than you would with. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, I mean, the, the wood walls don't last. Like they're, I mean, it's not about like how long, like if it'll, last. it's gonna fail at some point and start rotting out. I mean, there's th little things you can do to like, to slow the process, like proper drainage behind the wall and, and making sure you take the time to paint all your cuts with like some sort of wood treatment. Um, but, if, but eventually it's still wood and it's still gonna rot yeah. out. Um, so the concrete block wall um, is, I would say it's our most, like what we would use the most of just because it is more money, but like done properly, it shouldn't ever really fail. Uh, it should just be there forever. Uh, and, uh, and, and it looks, I mean, the old, there, there's a lot of um, opinions about, because you do see that old gray plain alum block and it, and it just doesn't look that good, but there's so many more products on the market now with color variations and shapes and sizes that you can really create like a, a much nicer looking wall uh, and still have that same sort of, uh, you know, strong finish that an Allen block would have, but with like a little bit more of a, you know, a nicer look to it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then natural stone, um, you know, it's going to, it's a super nice look. There's a, there's a ton of variety, um, but the cost is, you know, going to be much higher. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're either working with like a full bed depth stone where it's like a, a, quite a bit of labor to install it, or you're doing like a, a veneer. So in that case, you have to pour a footing and do your, your cinder block and then face it. So there's like, you've, you've already built a wall basically and then you're covering <laughs> it in stone. So, so there's a, there's a lot more labor involved. Yeah, um, for sure. And then of course, if, if, and, and we were talking about this even before we jumped on the recording, but um, you know, there are certain height restrictions um, for any given material, obviously. And then of course, within the um, city uh, and provincial or whatever your jurisdiction is um, from a, a permitting standpoint and engineering standpoint, uh, anything over about three and a half, four feet, depending on your jurisdiction, needs a little bit of a, an engineering component to it, um, especially if it's like on the perimeter of your property. So that's something to keep in mind, obviously, right? It's just to make sure that you're doing everything to code, if you will. Yeah, I mean, if you exceed it, like, yeah, three and a half to four feet, uh, you'll have to get an engineer involved. Uh, so there's gonna be costs for the engineer. And then uh, usually, you know, de depending on this, this, the location and soils, they're going to give you a design and that, and that can greatly, uh, increase the cost depending on what their findings are. Well, and in some cases, you actually need more than just like a, one engineer, like you think, oh, a structural engineer, but then you also need a geotechnical engineer as well, because they're dealing with the, the soil composition and the grade composition so sometimes depending on the area that you live in sometimes you're going to end up having a couple of different engineering teams on this <laughs> to be able to, yeah. to give us the, the proper information so that we built we or you guys end up building a wall that will not you know fall down or it will stand the test of time and if you know the city you know permitting people come become involved if the city wants to have all of those certificates signed off by engineering so um that's just something to keep in mind for people who are listening if you're below that three and a half foot mark then you know you're pretty much good to go but anything that's above that especially if it's around your the perimeter of your property then you definitely want to get some some engineering involved 
Yeah, if you can, if you have the space, we usually will try and terrace a yard to avoid having to go that four feet if possible. Yeah. I mean, some, some, some things are, it's unavoidable in some yards, but if we can do that, I mean, it usually will save you a, a fair bit of money because yeah. it's, it's quite a process with the engineering and the, yeah. you know, you're, then you're, then you're involving like compaction testing and soil testing. And it just, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really great suggestion in the, the idea of terracing to mitigate sort of that height um, issue. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, one of the last things I want to get into here are water features, ponds or little gurglers or whatever. And I am desperate to have one in my own yard. <laughs> um, just this idea of like hearing the water and, and it doesn't even have to be like, you know, Niagara Falls or anything like that. But, um, you know, I'm just curious to know, like just top level basic stuff that we need to consider for um, a water feature. Uh, obviously we need uh, a little bit of electrical work. You need to have, uh, I guess your your basin or your pond liner, depending on how big that that stuff is going to be. And then, of course, your the elements that you bring into it. So maybe just touch on all three of those bits and pieces. Right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, with yeah, like like you said, you're going to need some electrical to run your pump. Um, a nice feature you can add, but I mean, it's like kind of a luxury is is to have a float valve so that when you're in the summer months when stuff's evaporating or if you've got a large gurgler that's splashing you can kind of get the water will automatically top up uh so you're not having to go in there every week or two to like fill it up um this can be added after the fact like if uh if it's not some some ponds are worse than others and how much water they lose so uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of nice to have um so yeah we i mean as far as the gurglers go i mean i mean there's a there's a big um range of sizes and uh and options and and it's kind of the more popular route these days i find we do mostly um gir like small gurglers because people want the sound of water without kind of the maintenance of the pond mm -hmm. uh, along with the cost like the, the cost of a, it's relatively easy to set up like if you just wanted like a single stone gurgler to just achieve some sound um, it's pretty easy to do and we can you know it, it's going to be cost effective um, once you start moving into ponds and streams I mean there's there's you know it, it's it's a it's a real art so so the you know it, it's not just like lay it down it you know there's it takes some time you've got to place the stones you you know and kind of work with with it as you're building it up um so so it takes a lot longer and it's it's a bigger it's a much bigger project and uh there, there's a, a fair bit of maintenance that is like yearly maintenance that's involved in like you know getting all the the organic matter if you have a lot of trees that are going to end up in the bottom uh if you have filtration systems you know you're gonna have to be cleaning those um and then if you and then if you add koi into the pond you know then that's another level <laughs> <laughs> of yeah. maintenance that you got to deal with so um i mean we i personally as in our company we're most we only do really uh, gurglers we don't do a ton of ponds um my i did work with my for my father's company and that was a real passion of his 
passionate with is building these really large um, koi ponds and that sort of thing. So I was along for the ride on a, on a bunch of those those larger ones, and uh, they're 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 an art. The guys that they're like coming up. Well, strong. I mean, to make to create something art, artificially to make it seem as though it, it's a natural element that just is beautifully in the backyard <laughs> and yeah. nobody else has that in the rest of your yard but to like make it seem as though it feels very natural i mean i would imagine that i mean there's a lot of creativity and artistry in placing the rocks and and even choosing which ones to put in um in the first place yeah yeah no they, they, it it, it takes it takes time it just can't just drop them all in uh and, and yeah, making it natural. I mean, you, you see a lot of ponds out there where you can tell that it's a like man-made yeah. pond. And then once in a while, you see these ponds where you like, it, you can't see the liner, you can't see the filter, there's no pipes. And it, and it just looks like it's been there. And then, then to me, those are like the, the really the, the, the best looking uh, ponds. Uh, and yeah. Uh, I mean, I more the more we get a lot of calls about ponds that are not working correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, well, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the maintenance part of it that you touched on—it's a really, really important thing, because if you're not going to be able to maintain it and don't have the time or the energy or the wherewithal to do it, um, basically you're paying all this money for, in essence, a mosquito nursery. <laughs> yeah. Know? <laughs> well, well that goes with a lot all like all landscaping really i mean i mean other than your hardscape features uh like if if you're not maintaining the land like it, we can put something really incredible in but it, but if if someone just lets it they're not mowing the grass there's no maintenance on the plants the mulching like it can look just terrible in a few years because it is everything's growing and living and moving um so so it's really only as nice as as the you know the client is wanting to like upkeep with their their yard right and and if low maintenance if maintenance isn't something you're interested in well then we kind of tailor it to to match you know your expectation Uh, but i mean i always tell people there's no such thing as a no maintenance yard right <laughs> yeah let's, we're just gonna put a like, concrete you know compound in there yeah i mean that's an option um <laughs> it's not something we would we would really recommend but uh, absolutely but, yeah that's, that's um, well i sort of feel like we've touched on a lot of the basics i mean we didn't really get into any of the like plantings or greenery or any of that kind of thing but um uh is there anything else that you know you people come to you and ask a lot of questions around when they're looking to do some landscaping in their yard that we haven't touched on yet? Um, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think so. I mean, we, I mean, light, I guess lighting and irrigation. Oh yeah, there you go. Lighting we, irrigation. We get asked a lot about, um, I mean, and they're both things that are, really nice and they but a lot of times they get kind of cut cut from the budget i'd say right there they're the top two um i so with irrigation um like as far as like we were just talking about having a great looking yard and and the maintenance having like a an irrigation system will really like elevate the look of the yard because it's like a consistent watering Mm -hmm. um that's going to help the plants and grass look a whole lot better uh 
there's less work for, for, for the homeowner, right? They're not having to be out there moving the sprinkler 10 times and yeah. keeping a schedule. Um, well, I think also, is, like if it were to be on a timer, you, you can put it on like at, you know, four 30 or five in the morning for that handful of hours that you're allowed to water and be done before, you know, the sun even starts to, to start warming up the world here as we, you know, all awaken and, and rise up and get out of our houses um, because we don't want to have the, the water evaporate as soon as it hits the, the plants or the ground. You know, if we can water when it's a little bit cooler, then I think that's better. And of course, how many people are going to get up at four in the morning and start watering their garden? Probably nobody, right? Some, some people do. Some people do. But yeah, hardcore, yeah. hardcore those people. <laughs> you see some people, they're watering it like in the middle of the day. And, and, it's, and, and then when it's hot out, it, it's not a great, uh, not a great move. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it, I mean, there's an initial investment, but, but I think, um, I've never talked to anyone that's regretted not putting one in, uh, and we've done big projects where they've like, so, oh, we'll just water the lawn. And then a couple months later, they're putting one in because it's just too much work. Um, so, so if you, if, if you can make it, um, make it work, I think it's, it's a really, uh, a really good investment, uh, you know, as, as far as the system, irrigation system goes. Um, and, and the newer systems, they got, you know, they, they, there's timers, but they've got rain sensors now where you can, you know, it'll, it won't water if it's rained the night before. It knows that it's rained. So, um, yeah, well, that's, I think that, that's a really great feature because why, why, why have your sprinklers going when it's pouring rain outside? Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? No, exactly. So, so they've got, they've, they've, they've improved them a, a lot uh and then lighting is another one and i mean it this l landscape lighting is it's it's again it's like one of those things when you have it's just like really adds a nice ambiance to the yard uh it can help with safety if you got dark corners and stairs yeah. uh and security as well for sure yeah and but and i mean and it's one of those it it gets cut out of budgets a fair bit. Uh, it's relatively simple. You just need like a, a GFI plug on the outside of your house uh, that that we can access, and you can add that in uh, really easily. Just put a little transformer, take a plug, and, and you're on your way. Um, and the only the only thing with landscape lighting that we've found is you don't want to use like cheap fixtures. No. <laughs> oh, no seriously like people oh i'll just go to like whatever my big back box stores and I buy the little kit that comes in a box and you know ultimately it it doesn't stand the test of time it doesn't last like it should it, it just you know, disintegrates. No. You know yeah. yeah you might get a you might get a year you know maybe two years um so we yeah we won't and i mean like a a, a good fixture you know you might be like 70 or 80 bucks per fixture but like a lot of them now have you know, they've got like lifetime warranties on the fixture and five-year warranties on the bulb. So like, you're not going to be, it's meant to last like well, for a long time. It's that, you know, you, you, you get what you pay for, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, and lighting is one of those things where you really get what you pay for. Like, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, how would someone get in touch with you guys? So um, I feel like we've kind of gotten through all of all the stuff, and I I, I want to I want to make sure that uh, for anybody listening who's in the Lower Mainland and they 
want to do some landscaping that they can get in touch with you. So um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, so I guess we're, we're, uh, I mean, we're on social media. So we're on Facebook and uh, Instagrams at second generation landscapes. And uh, then you have a website. Uh, yeah, we have our website. So you can get in touch with us there. There's like a, a contact form you can fill out uh, or just call the office and, and then we can set up a, a meeting with you guys, whoever wants to come up and come, uh, come out and take a look at their place. <laughs> yeah. we'll, put, we'll put all those links and stuff in the show notes. And um, as always, I always like to um, ask our guests a few fun questions before we close out the show. And yeah. um, the first one is usually to do with interior renovations. So, um, I'll just ask you for your own yard, uh, yeah. what would you like to change or renovate most about your own space? Because kind of like uh, shoemakers kids have no shoes oftentimes like the the contractor's house doesn't isn't completely finished and I would imagine that the landscaper's yard is not completely done either yeah my yard's um my yard's a disaster actually <laughs> <laughs> um so currently we operate the business out of my yard so uh we're currently moving actually into a into a new like yard office location uh so so that's what I'd like to change. And we're in the process of changing it. I was getting all of uh, everybody else's landscape leftovers out of my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so when, once, once all that's gone, what sort of oasis would you imagine for your own uh, yard? Oh man, I, I've got, uh, I've got big ideas. <laughs> um, you know, I just like an outdoor living space is, is really what I, what I want to, to do is, um, you know, big patio, big gas fire, like natural stone gas fire pit, outdoor kitchen, eating area. Um, you know, uh, I do a lot of vegetable gardening, so I'd like to do, you know, a lot of raised vegetable boxes in, in one area and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I like the low maintenance. So I'd probably do some sort of gurgler and not do a pond. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. And the second question I normally ask some people is if they're handy. And of course you are because you know, you're in landscaping. So yeah. uh, let's change that question to what is the most irreplaceable or indispensable tool that you use when you're doing landscape work? What's something that you're always reaching for that if you didn't have it in your truck or in your toolbox, you'd be like, oh, I need that thing. Yeah, you know, the big one is like uh, like a rotary laser to, sh to shoot elevations. Um, that's one thing I'm always like, when I'm on going to sites or visiting new clients, like I, I need that to just get all my elevations uh, yeah, mapped cool. out. And it's always the one I end up, like if I forget it, I'm just like, oh man, like that. <laughs> <laughs> no <one. laughs> all right well you know again mark it's been really really great having you on the show I, I know i've been kind of bugging you for a little bit get on the show get on the show um and for those of you who are listening thank you for listening and um please do comment and share and catch us on um our past and future episodes and almost uh, more importantly along with this landscape episode go forth with your green thumbs and enjoy your yards ciao for now Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. 
You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.